You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. Go in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians and chapter 2. In order to get into this message, I have to kind of warm us up a little bit, so hold on as we get there and as we sort of talk about this incredible subject matter found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, which simply starts out in verse 1 saying, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the subject matter. The message is called, The End is Incredible. The end is incredible. And I will just pray to start, Lord Jesus, be with us now by the power of the Holy Spirit to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of your word. We say, amen. amen. The end is incredible. So here's, here's a few things as we, as we sort of warm up to this subject matter here in 2 Thessalonians, where in chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is going to talk about how the end is incredible. And so here's what I want you to understand. How great is our God? How great is our God that he is going to tell you the end, the end of history, the end of the human race, the beginning of heaven and eternity. He's actually going to write down signs that you can now in contemporary culture see for yourself by which you can test Holy Scripture. He wants you to know. That's what's so fascinating about this. He wants you to know the end is incredible, and it's actually, it's actually very exciting. Now, it's very different than understanding the end, let's say, of a movie. You know, some time ago, I was watching um, with a bunch of friends. I was engaged in a TV series, kind of a whodunit. I tend to, I like whodunits. And so this is just your plain vanilla, G-rated whodunit. And I forgot that my friend that I was with had not seen it. He was on Netflix, right? So he's about four shows behind. And so here I'm socializing with him, and I do it. I do the thing that I don't want anybody to do to me. I said, oh, what did you think about when they killed his wife? <laughs> he's a big dude. You know, he's a lot bigger than me. He looks at me, and he looks at me, and I go, oh, no. He goes, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> so when you kind of sometimes know the end, you know, it lands with the thud. But that's not true as we're talking about the very end of the human race and of history and that side of the street. Now, I understand if somebody's not a believer, not a Christ follower, and they're outside the camp, and this conversation scares them. In some ways, I kind of understand that, because maybe they don't have the hope of Christ in their heart. What sort of trips me up as your pastor is people inside the camp being freaked out that heaven is coming close. And that's not us. We, we understand. The end of the story is beautiful. It's actually wonderful, and we completely embrace that God tells us how it all ends. Verse 1, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. This is the beginning of Paul saying, as I teach you these things, do not be upset. What's so surprising is that is that Paul planted this church in Greece. 
And in three weeks, he sat down and told them about when the Lord Jesus is going to come back. Now, that's really different than us. So, for example, Easter, some people gave their lives to the Lord during our services. And I pray even today, people give their lives to the Lord or recommit themselves or operate with God in some way. At the very end, I'm going to ask you to embrace peace with God, and you're going to love it. And so, so when we start out with the faith, we'll, we'll grab somebody, you know, and we'll say, okay, this is maybe new for you, just like it was for me at one time. And so let's talk about this doctrine called assurance of salvation. You know, Hebrews chapter 13, 5, God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. That's incredible. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, to those who believe, to those who actually believe, God gives the right, that's like a legal right, a spiritual right, that you can be a son and daughter of God. And that means that no demon is allowed to slander you. That means no shame or guilt is ever allowed to take you down. That you actually have been given through the cross this right. That's John chapter 1, verse 12. It's it's an incredible promise. I mean, it's wonderful. So we start out that way. We start out like assurance of salvation. Then, of course, no one's perfect. So then, you know, how to experience God's love and forgiveness. You know, so, so you know the truth, but you stumble in it. Okay, well, here's, here's how you can understand that truth. You know, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all should shout hallelujah after verses like that, right? It's incredible. And so that's that experience God's love and forgiveness. Then we're going to talk about, then we're going to talk about, then we're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And be not drunk with wine, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, that's where we start the faith. These are foundation stones. The Apostle Paul, well, I don't know what he did in three weeks, but he just went, went through all of those, and then all of a sudden he says, I have to tell you about when Jesus comes back. And he began to teach this church about that and, and turned it into Scripture for us. So Jesus is going to come back, and he says, do not let this be quickly shaken in your mind or alarmed either by spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us to the effect of the day of the Lord has come. And so what he's saying there, this phrase, the day of the Lord. Say it with me, church out loud, day of the Lord. Okay, I want you to get that phrase down because that is the coming of the Lord and a few other things as well. That means that there is this truth that's taught in the Bible called the rapture, the sudden taking up of believers and the church into heaven to meet the Lord's in the cloud. That includes the second coming found in Revelation chapter 19. The first coming of Jesus is Christmas. The second coming of Jesus is way different. First coming of Christmas is Christmas, right? The Christmas story. Oh, he came as a humble servant. A little baby papoos, right? Virgin Mary, you guys know these stories. We have plays over them. Do you notice that we don't have church plays over, this, over the actual return of Christ, the second coming? We don't do that. Because Jesus, when he comes back, is coming in a very different economic spiritual stream. When Jesus comes back the second time, he is not coming back as a humble servant of the first time. And if you don't understand this, write down Revelation 19, and he's coming back on a war horse. And he's coming back on a war horse to actually bring justice. He's going to right every wrong. And that is the beginning of a new economy of God. Actually, coming in Revelation 19, you should be happy about this. 
to permanently destroy Satan. He says, do not be shaken. Do not be shaken. So one of the things that's fascinating when we talk about do not be shaken is this. So God is not, as a spiritual principle, he actually is mad at sin, but he's actually not mad at you as his son and daughter. He is actually mad at the things that have been done to you. And so he is actually part of a journey to redeem your life and to bless your life and to save your life as a true son and daughter of God. Okay, talk about the, the day of the Lord as is mentioned here in the scriptures. So the effect of the day of the Lord. And the next verse says, don't let anybody deceive you. So the day of the Lord has a series of events. Now I'm gonna kind of give you a very quick outline here. So this is gonna be, you know, I don't know how else to do this. This is called equipping you all, all right? Shaking you all. You have to know this is truth. This is good news. This is blessing. And it's not even comprehensive. But I'm going to go through a little bit of a fire hose. I'm going to take you through one or two or three or four things that you have to understand so that you can understand today. In 2023, so that you can know what God is doing, so that you can understand what the Spirit's doing, you have to understand the day of the Lord and the events of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a time period of event, goes from this thing called the rapture, the sudden taking up of, of the church, all the way uh, to something that's called the white throne. And so here are some of those events of that. Okay, so in verse 2, verse 2, not to be quickly shaken, and this phrase, day of the Lord. All right, so here's what's going to happen in these events. First of all, there's a reborn Roman Empire. That's in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. So why would I say that? Well, one, it's biblically true, but you can begin to now, in a really interesting and almost eerie way, begin to see certain political rumblings of this reborn political empire that's spoken of in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. There is the rise of a political ruler of this empire, and that new ruler will make a covenant with Israel. That's Daniel chapter 9, 27, and Revelation 13, 1. Just listen to it on the replay. I want you to just listen up right now and kind of dig in. There is the creation of a new false religion under a new false prophet. That's Revelation 13, 11. There's a military campaign called Armageddon. Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, Revelation 16, uh, Revelation 19, uh, so, so these are part of events under this umbrella of the day of the Lord, and that's what Paul's getting at here. And he says, now concerning this, and he's spoken about some of these things beforehand. He's spoken about other parts of Scripture, and these things are really, really real and intense and true, and we see some of the rumblings as I'll get to that. There's a gospel proclamation under the day of the Lord where the whole world will know Matthew 24, verse 14. If you like the book of Revelation, here's a few for you. Under this day of the Lord, there's the breaking of seals. That's Revelation chapter 6. The breaking of bowls, Revelation 16. The blowing of trumpets, Revelation 8. Those are all, you know, sort of metaphors and illustrations of this spiritual manifestation that's going to take place during that time. Those are all forms of of divine and perfect justice, God making every wrong right and saving the human race. There is, under the day of the Lord, the releasing of 144,000, 
well, I don't know how else to say this, Jesus power, superpower, like witnesses and saints. So there's 144,000 of those. And then, and then if you want to encourage yourself tonight, just go to Revelation chapter 11, and there's something called the two witnesses. So that's, if you don't know anything, read that. You'll be encouraged tonight because it's incredible. So there is, under the day of the Lord, the arrival of God's two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. That's the day of the Lord. More under the day of the Lord. I promise I'm going to wrap this up. This is the regathering of Israel to the land. So if you want to know what's going on in in our culture and why are we fighting globally about Israel, because Ezekiel chapter 37 is beginning to see this huge rumbling of a huge regathering of Israel to the land. That's Ezekiel chapter 37. And then according to Amos 9.15, the restoration of Israel to the land. This is fascinating that in our lifetimes, we are witnessing this and seeing this under the umbrella of the day of the Lord. So God is simply telling you in advance what will happen. I find that so motivating and interesting that God's going to tell me, look at Ranch Church, look for these signs, look for what's going to happen, be awake, because I am doing it. In the formation of the Lord of his day and appearing. So now, in the rest of the section that Paul's going to get at, in verse 3 and on, he's going to talk about the rise of the Antichrist. And so in verse 3, Paul will say, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness, that is that Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction, some of your Bibles might call the son of perdition, I do like that phrase, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, which means that the temple in Israel has to be rebuilt. So I know I'm doing this kind of quickly. I know that everyone else is in a different space or orientation on this subject matter. What I'm helping you to try and understand is that these are things going on right now. Right now, there are societies in Israel prepared to rebuild the temple. Right now, there are societies in Israel that have actually perfected the red heifer and other things that are necessary for that sacrificial system to actually be reborn right now. And they're waiting for that day. And so that temple must be rebuilt, and then that person will proclaim themselves God in that place so that he comes and takes his seat in the temple of God. If you don't know anything else about Scripture, no, that's a no-no. That's God's temple. No man is allowed to enter that temple and take the place of God. That's under, under the phrase of no, no, never know, no, no, never, never know. All right, so when I used to take somebody's children uh, uh, skiing or water skiing back in the day and everyone's going to be playing on the boat or whatever, you know, you'd have, you'd have instructions like that. And so you tell the kids, no, no, never, 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 no. You sit there. Verse 5. Or actually, I want to get to this last phrase in verse 4, proclaiming himself to be God. Verse 5, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? That's Paul to the church saying, I told you these things. And you know what is restraining them now, 
so that he may be revealed in his time. That's the Holy Spirit and the plan of God. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring nothing by the by the appearance of his coming. Okay, so you got to pause right there. Remember I told you that Jesus came back the first time. Everybody say yes. That's Christmas, right? That is Christmas. So if you like theology and you like formality that way, it's called the first advent. And we have advent calendars and we celebrate that. That's what an advent means. It's an arrival. It's a coming in that sense. And so the first advent was Christmas, little cuddly Jesus. Right? Second coming is not little coming Jesus. Because here it is. Jesus himself will come. Verse 8. And this lawless one, this, this, this antichrist, Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. He merely, in his holiness, needs to present himself and say, I'm here. And he's dead. There is the power of God. I'll kill him with the breath of his mouth and bring nothing by the appearance of his coming the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Let me ask you, church, just I don't know where you're at, and I don't mean this by any kind of political reference. Does it not seem as if culture and people have checked out and that everyone's deceived? I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, it seems that people have checked out. I mean, I could... I could kind of, I don't want to moralize at this moment about that, but I could begin to check on all kinds of different crazy moral behavior in our country and other countries, and it's like this global deception is coming over everybody, and I don't feel old, and yet I'm looking at it and go, what has happened? Now, there is this delusion, deception for all those who are perishing because they refuse to love truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may all be condemned who do not believe in the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. God will take care of this. Jesus Christ himself will take care of this. So in kind of going through that lesson that I just took you through, there's, there's sort of a few things that I want to illustrate that are a little bit more comprehensible to understand what, what would the Antichrist be like. Okay, Pastor, I get it. There's an Antichrist. There's a delusion. What does this look like? What's he going to look like? All right, so I'm going to give you very quickly a short bullet list, Apostle Paul-like bullet list. So I'm going to give you an, an idea of the power of this Antichrist figure who, who is, is, is going to be on the scene. Okay, so the first thing about this Antichrist you have to know, and this is what Paul's getting at, is that he's an intellectual genius. So you might ask yourself, how does an antichrist come? Does he come with like a, you know, horns on his head? Has he got a big pitchfork? He's got a little red tail over here, you know? Is he bouncing around? No, the first thing about an antichrist is an intellectual genius, according to Daniel chapter 8. Second thing is he's a fantastic public speaker, according to Daniel chapter 11 and Revelation 13. He's actually a political genius, which is really fascinating, and that's why he becomes... Very interesting. He's going to be a political genius. He's going to be against God, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He will also be a commercial genius, Daniel chapter 11, 43. He'll be a military genius, 
Revelation 6, Revelation 13. He'll be a religious genius. People think of him that way. Again, First, Second Thessalonians 2, 4 and Revelation 13. Okay, so do you, do you understand the problem? An intellectual, speaking, political, economic, military, religious genius, that's the Antichrist. And commentators are constantly wondering, is this guy on the scene or not, or how does this happen? And we don't really know. But we can begin to look at things currently and begin to understand, begin to really understand that we're moving quickly towards things the Bible's describing. So here's why, not only is this true in the Bible, I mean, we're not like this in our church. We're going to go kind of like the next verse, the next verse. And so sometimes I'll read that next verse of what I'm supposed to preach to. I go, oh, that. I wonder if anybody's going to come back when we're done with that. You know, I mean, you know, like, you know we're going to go through the truth. We're going to go through the truth because the truth will set us free. We don't need to be afraid of it. It's where the power is. But here's why I'm taking more time even right now to illustrate these things. And it is simply this. We are currently in World War III. You need to wake up to that. We are, church, in World War III. When historians look back on this time, depending upon what the economy of God is, when they look back, historians will write and say, people didn't know it, but in 2023, World War III was on. And so World War III uh, will not be, well, it'll be very different. It will be a drone war, and it already is. Drones flying all over, which are, which are militarized and weapons of destruction. It's a satellite war, and that's what's going on right now. Uh, there were lectures recently uh, down the street at Vandenberg talking about the current satellite war. Uh, none of this is any kind of political favor. I'm not talking about any side of the aisle. I'm simply telling us these truths to be equipped and prepared so that we can actually be the church of Christ. But there is a satellite war right now. Right now, we have these satellites going like this. And, uh, and these satellites fly closer to one another now than you might ever realize. And there are attempts from China to disarm us. And there are attempts from the United States to try and disarm them. And the Soviet or the Russians are trying to just, all these countries are trying to disarm one another, especially us. World War III is a multi-regional military war. World War III is an economic war. World War III may turn into an AI war of some sorts, and that should seriously trouble you. Now, related to us in the United States, I'll say, I'll say the following that you'll feel comfort with, and it is God's grace. Nobody on planet Earth, nobody, nobody on planet Earth wants to meet the U.S. military in an open field of battle. Nobody. We, we, we are, we are well-seasoned, and we, we are well, well-trained, so nobody wants to enter an open field of battle against our generals, against our militaries, against our men and women, against our technology. Nobody wants an open field of battle. We, we have the advantage. How long that lasts, what that looks like, that's a whole other story. But nobody wants to meet us in an open field of battle. And so World War III is this drone war, this satellite war, regional military war, an economic war, an AI war of some of some sort. And you have to understand that, that Israel wants to be taken out by these other countries to try and take us out. 
You have to understand that when I mention like Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, well, so, so what am I talking about there? Those are alliances of countries. That's China, that's Russia, and that's Iran. Okay, so what you might not understand quickly, I've talked to my church in the past, is that Iranians ethnically are actually Russians. You know this, right? They're not Arab. The ancient Russians came down and actually settled Iran. They're ethnically the same, and then they went back up. And so there's this ancient alliance like that down to the blood of who they are. And that is actually being reformed to try and take Israel out because if Israel can be broken off of the alliance for the United States, then our global military reach, which creates peace and economic strength, would then be broken in two. All of that is prophetic to what the Bible is actually talking about. Paul says, don't be afraid. Are you afraid of that? Don't be afraid. If you're in Christ, you're on the winning team. If you're in the church, you're on the winning team. And God actually knows what he's doing. But we can begin to now look and see the signs of the times. We can now begin to look out and see what's going on. And it becomes a place of tremendous interest and even excitement that you are living right now in arguably some of the most significant days in all of human history. That you're living right now in the days, arguably, of the greatest outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit. That you're living right now on the cusp of the greatest global revival that has ever been seen. That you're living on the cusp of some great moves in the economy of God. Don't miss it. Get on the team. Give your life to Christ. Come forward. Live in peace. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, to change you, to transform you, to actually give you a new life. Join in what God is actually doing as he, we are in these actual last days. Take your family and align them to these gospel truths. But you are living on the precipice of the next great move and wave of God. And the planet Earth will see the love of God, even though there's all these other things going on in the history of the world. So you have a choice to make. It's fear or faith. Choose faith. You have a choice to make to live with the power of the Holy Spirit, to live with the power of the kingdom of God, and to live at peace. You have a choice to make that Christ is offering you peace and power right now, right now. I'm going to ask Casey to come up and, uh, and let us soak for a few minutes. And I believe that you need peace. I know sometimes you hear these, you go, okay, Pastor, I want to live at peace. Pastor, I don't want to live at peace. You have to come forward, receive prayer, live at peace. To find peace in scriptures, you're not going to find it on Fox News or CNN. You're going to find peace, the sacred holiness of God, not on Google. You're going to find it right here. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.